1: This series is entitled, Learn the Bible in 24 Hours. In today's study, Dr. Misser completes his conclusion of this exciting study through the whole Bible.
0: They say that there are over 8,000, this is just one categorization by Jay Barton Payne, other people have different ones, but he he categorized over 8,000 predictive verses and almost 2,000 predictions on 700 different matters. I happen to disagree with them. I think it's all prophecy, but that's, you know, another thing. One of the things that you quickly determine as you try to compare what you know about your Bible and what's going on in the world is that there are major themes emerging. If you want to know what time it is in God's clock, you look at Israel find out what's going on in Israel, you can tell, because Israel's origin, its ups, its downs, and its ultimate destiny are all laid out in advance. If you want to find out what time it is, check out where Israel is. The city of Jerusalem, a bone in the throat among all major nations today, exactly like Zechariah predicted. Watch Jerusalem. The temple is going to be rebuilt. You can't see any evidence of it yet. In fact, quite the contrary. The Muslims are quite aggressively with bulldozers trying to destroy all evidence of, all Jewish evidence on the site. But we know it's going to be rebuilt. How do we know? Because Jesus, Paul and John all make reference to it standing at the end times. The city of Babylon is going to reemerge, we believe, on world, in world history. And this is, these, this is an exciting thing to watch because I think you're going to see it reemerge on the horizon. And when you do, that's going to be an incredible witnessing opportunity as people start to take notice. And of course, Russia, the the Magogians, if you will, there are people in the strategic community that believe that Russia is uh, on the threshold of, of uh, shenanigans in the Middle East. We'll watch that with great interest. The rise of China is the major... Economic and military power on the horizon. Europe and China are going to be the big players over the coming decades. The past 50 years it was Russia and the, USS, it was the USSR and the USA. But uh, in the coming decades, it's clearly going to be China and the European superstate. The UN is on frail ground. People are saying there needs to be an alternative to the UN and it probably will emerge in the form of the European Union. Watch and see. It'll either take it over or simply be a rival. And while all this is going on, the movement towards a one-world religion, it's astonishing to see how many Christian leaders are falling for this ecumenical mania that's going on. Ecumenicalism. Park truth at the door. Let's just all, all agree that we're going to agree. And this is in the context of a global government, which has to happen because of the proliferation of nuclear weapons, the rise of terrorism, all of these are global issues and the thinking people are recognizing that it's going to take global supervision to deal with these issues. And while all this is going on, we have the rise of the occult. How interesting it is that we live in an age of materialism. As people have rejected God and embraced materialism, both in terms of their lifestyles and also in terms of their philosophies. And as they discover materialism is morally bankrupt, what do they turn to? To mysticism. And how interesting it is that in this enlightened age with with the, uh, the advancements of science and all that sort of thing, we find that increasingly people at all levels of society, not just the disenfranchised, are turning to mysticism. How fascinating it is. All these are major themes that we tried to map and track, but our challenge to you in this course has not been just to learn the Bible. What I want you to do is challenge this preposterous statement. The statement is that we are being plunged into a period of time about which the Bible says more than about any other period of time in history, including the time that Jesus walked the shores of Galilee and climbed the mountains of Judea. That is an audacious statement. Some would say preposterous. Great! Don't accept it. Challenge it. How do you do that? You've got to do two things. One, find out what the Bible says. Not what Chuck Missler or Hal Lindsey or Chuck Smith or whoever your favorite teacher is, no. Find out what the Bible says, point one. Point two, find out what's going on. And you won't on the 10 o'clock news, you need to do a little homework. But with the internet, the alternative press, talk radio, you can today find out that the stranglehold by the mass media is being broken. Their overt attempt by promoting, knowingly, deliberately promoting falsehoods, trying to topple a sitting president during a time of war, has discredited virtually all, almost all, of the mainline media. With the exception of Fox News, I think they're all caught, they all have their hands dirty with having prostituted their franchise. The franchise of the mass media is to inform the electorate, but these are people that take pride in shaping opinion rather than informing them and they, they, they deliberately indulged, indulged in deceit. And so that's going, that comes home to roost. So the point is, most thinking people recognize, they've got, takes a little homework to find out what's really going on in the Middle East, in Europe, China, wherever. Find out what's happening. And the more you know about what the Bible says, and the more you know about what's going on in the world, the more you'll see a convergence, not by one or two things, by all of them. Pretty exciting times. But the ultimate issue, is that you and I are in possession of a message of extraterrestrial origin, and it portrays us as objects of an unseen warfare. And our eternal destiny, yours and mine, depends upon our relationship with the ultimate victor in this cosmic conflict. It does not uh, depend upon what church you go to. It doesn't depend on what denomination you happen to have allegiance to. Our eternal destiny depends upon our relationship with Him, the ultimate victor in this conflict. And the question you need to ask yourself is, where do you stand with respect to Him? He's what it's all about. Now people ask G. Chuck, that's great. How do I study? Well, first of all, two things, through prayer and through a relationship with the author. The important thing here is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to pursue that relationship diligently, faithfully. One of the things you need to do when you study your Bible is set aside your presuppositions. We all bring to any study presumptions, presuppositions, blindfold them, put them aside. Go at it with an open mind and hear what the Scripture says. I also encourage you to take notes. I really wish I had been more thorough in my early years taking notes. I'm doing it in more recent years, but build your own reservoir of your own notes and insights. Along that line, let me tell you another secret. One of the things I encourage you to do is go to a stationery store and get a journal. You girls know what I'm talking about. The guys have not the foggiest notion of what I'm talking about. In a stationary store, you typically can find a bound book, not a loose leaf, a bound book that's maybe blank or lined to your preference, that's designed to be a personal diary, a journal. And the girls are fond of doing this, guys usually don't bother. But I'm going to encourage you to undertake a secret journal. This is a journal that you're not going to ever show anybody. And that's important because I want you to be honest. I want you to be candid. This isn't something you're going to ever show anybody. This is private. I want you to be able to pour out yourself that no one will ever overlook your shoulder look, uh, uh, your shoulder to see it. And what I want you to do, and you might want to do this with your prayer life, too, by the way. It's an exciting thing when you pray, is to make a, keep a journal. Write down what you pray about. And when He fulfills it, make a note. You'll be astonished. So often we pray for something, and when it happens, we sort of take it for granted. No! Make, make a journal. Take a journal. In fact, you shouldn't pray without a pad. You ever notice, if you've been a, me- a member of a large corporation, when the boss asks the secretary to come in his office, you never see her enter his office without a pad. That's considered, you know, that's a sharp secretary will always carry a pad. The presumption is she's going to get an assignment. And when you go to prayer, do you, t- do you have a pad? When God's speaking to you, do you make a note? But there's something else about this journal I want you to think about. How many of you have ever encountered a passage in the Bible that was confusing, or self-contradictory, or you didn't understand. Can I see your hands? Okay. Anybody without their hand up, it hasn't read their Bible, right? You always oh, We all have. We all have. Here's what I want you to do. When you can something that makes no sense, jump for joy. Because you have now an opportunity to conduct an empirical experiment in the supernatural. You know, it's interesting, if, if, if you're an engineer, or in a technical field, you know that most of what you learned in college was in the lab courses. When you got your hands on, you actually did it. Not the theory and the equations. Here's a chance to conduct a laboratory course in the supernatural. What you do when you encounter a passage that makes no sense, you get your journal, get a blank page, put the date down, put the reference, and here's the important part. You do this in ink, not pencil. Try to write down why that passage is confusing or apparently contradictory, why it just doesn't seem to make sense. And try to be as thorough and as, 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 as effective as you can. And when you've done that, you set that aside and you go to prayer. Go before the throne. Say, Father, you've promised that the Holy Spirit would teach us all things. And this passage confuses me. I don't understand it. It it seems to be, it doesn't make any sense. It seems to contradict uh, whatever. Take it before Him and remind Him that He promised that He would teach you all things. And call His claim, claim that. Call Him on that. And then watch what happens. Now, it may not happen in the next 10 seconds. It may be the next day, or it might be who knows. What's going to happen though, you may be reading somewhere else in the Bible, and suddenly the insight will come. Or maybe you'll be driving and you'll be listening to some radio speaker, and he may not even be talking about the subject, but he'll say something that will cause an insight. Or you might be in a restaurant and you'll overhear a conversation at another table. I don't know what instrument the Holy Spirit will use, but what He's going to do in the in the reasonable time f- uh, forthcoming, He will make that problem so clear. You now need to go back to your journal, find that page at the bottom, put the date, and explain how the Holy what medium the Holy Spirit used to make that to rev- to let that fog lift, to get rid of that cloud, to let you see the reality of that. Now you're probably saying, gee Chuck, that sounds like great fun, but um, why all the paperwork? I'll tell you why. Because the day is going to come when you are going to go through the valley of doubt, dark times, and you'll begin to question that, is this all really real? Uh, uh, have I gotten just carried away with all, this? whatever. I want you to be able to go back to that journal and look at the footprints of the Holy Spirit as He carried you item by item as your personal tutor. Not Chuck Missler or whoever. The Holy Spirit taking you through your Christian walk step by step in a supernatural way. That journal will become one of your most precious, you have never showed it to anybody. The reason you don't want to do that is you want it private. You want to be able to communicate with complete openness without any mask or facades or whatever. It will be precious to the extent that you're candid with it. Well, the other thing I'm going to suggest, uh, how many of you have a hobby? Anybody here, how many here have hobbies? Oh good, okay. Now I, I'm going to tell you a couple of things about your, that are probably true about your hobby. You probably know more about your hobby than you do your profession. Because it's a labor of love. I mean, that's what you're into. Whatever, right? Tell you something else about your hobby. You probably have more invested in it than you want your wife to find out. Okay? I have a suggestion that may sound strange, but I have a suggestion. You know, Ben Franklin said, Jack of all trades, master of one. He's always misquoted. Jack of all trades, master of none is the way you usually hear it. That's not what he said. He said, Jack of all trades, master of one. What his concept was for an educated person is an educated person should know something about everything and everything about something. That was his concept. And that's a good idea. For a Christian, that something should be the Bible. If you're a Christian you can know a lot about anything, You you know something about everything, but you should know everything there is to know about the Bible. So I'm going to suggest you do that. Set out to make the Bible your hobby. You don't have to supersede all the others, but it certainly should come ahead of the others in the sense of your priorities. What do I mean by making it a hobby? Well first of all, invest in it. Go to a Christian bookstore and pick up some helps a good exhaustive concordance. Find out what an exhaustive concordance is and go get one. They're not expensive. Get a, a Bible dictionary or a Bible encyclopedia, a one-volume set or a five-volume set. They're not expensive, even the big ones. And if you're computer literate, the Bible software that's out is astonishing. You don't need to know Hebrew and Greek to use Hebrew and Greek. It'll diagram it'll translate for you. It'll diagram the sentences for you. I travel with over 3,000 volumes on my, on my disk drive, in my laptop. You say, Chuck, that's a lot of volumes. Yes, but it's, it's better than being in my library. I've got books in my library I'd never, I couldn't read in a lifetime. But these are word searchable. If I want to find out what Irenaeus said about love, it'll tell me. If I have a passage, it'll open all those books to the path, any pages that are relevant to that inquiry. And it does in a few seconds. I can do in a half an hour what would take what used to take me a whole weekend of study because it's it's all automatic cross reference in, tri- in which it, it will it will take articles and summarize them for me auto abstracting software it's, it's astonishing what's available to you if you can use those appliances so invest in helps now there's exegetical helps those are helps that help you understand what the text says. Exegesis is what does the Greek or the Hebrew say? You have to know what it says before you can tell you what it means. Once you know what it says, then you can explore what it is trying to say semantically. That's called exposition. Exegetical analysis is to understand the, the tools there are grammar and lexicon, in effect. Check the translation. What does it really mean? And when, what kind of figure of speech is being used if it is? And so forth. Expositions, like, okay. What's the significance of that particular passage there, etc. And uh, but there helps of all kinds, and indulge in them. You'll quickly discover some of your favorites. Certain guys will just you'll relate to. Some of them are very wordy, but boy, they're rich. Others are very terse and pointed, but they're all different styles, different strokes for different folks. But the real issue that I want to close on before we finish our little excursion here. Is the Bible's about a person, and I want to tell you about him. I was inspired by this by Pastor S.D. Lockridge down in San Diego. He passed away now, but his, he did a little thing that caught my attention, and I've done my version of it, but I really, I'm indebted to him for this basic idea. Who I want to tell you about my, our coming king. You know, I, I often get invited to speak at governors' elections, especially in election year, governors' breakfast, that sort of thing. Uh, they never invite me back. Because I quickly point out I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a monarchist. And I, but I tell him about my candidate. You see, he's a racial king. That shocks him. Jesus was Jewish. He's king of the Jews. Let's not forget that. He is the king of Israel. He's a national king. He's not just some kind of religious figure. He is going to rule the world through Israel. So he's racial and national king. He is the king of all the ages, the king of heaven, the king of glory, and the king of kings and lord of lords. The question is, do you know him? Do you really know him? That's the issue here, not quoting verses and all these other things. He was a prophet before Moses, a priest after Melchizedek, a champion like Joshua. He was an offering in the place of Isaac. He was a king from the line of David. He's a wise counselor even above Solomon. He was beloved and rejected, but then exalted son like Joseph, yet he's far more. The heavens declare His glory. The ferment shows His handiwork. He who is, who was, and always will be. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph and the Tau, the A and the Z. He's the first fruits of them that slept. He's the ego I me, the Ichyach Asher Ichyach, the I am that I am. Yes, He was the voice of the burning bush, He so claimed in John 8. He's the captain of the Lord's host. He was the conqueror of Jericho. He's enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful, imperially powerful, impartially merciful. In Him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, the very God of very God. He is our kinsman redeemer indeed, as we learn in Ruth, but He's also our avenger of blood. He's our city of refuge. He's our performing high priest, our personal prophet, our reigning king. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the supreme problem of higher criticism. (laughs) He's the miracle of all the ages, the superlative of everything good. You and I are beneficiaries of a love letter. That love letter was written in blood on a wooden cross that was erected in Judea some 2,000 years ago. They say He was crucified on a cross of wood, yet He made the hill on which it stood. By Him were all things made that were made. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And by Him are all things held together, Paul tells us in Colossians got a question. What held him to that cross? What held him to that cross? It wasn't the nails. At any time you could have said enough already, I'm out of here. What held him to that cross? His love for you and me. That's what held him to the cross. He was born of a woman, so that we could be born again, born of God. He humbled Himself so that we could be lifted up. He became a servant, so that we could be made joint heirs with Him. We have no idea what that means. He suffered rejection so that we could become His friends. He denied Himself so that we could freely receive all things. He gave Himself so that He could bless us in every way. He's available to the tempted and tried. He blesses the young. He cleanses the lepers. He defends the feeble. He delivers the captives. He discharges the debtors. He forgives the sinners. He franchises the meek. He guards the besieged. He heals the sick. He provides strength to the weak. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He sympathizes and and he saves. He's incredible. His offices are manifold. His reign is righteous. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. His light is matchless. His grace is sufficient. His love never changes. His mercy is everlasting. His word is enough. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's irresistible. And of course, he's invincible. The heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Man cannot explain him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but soon learned they couldn't stop him. The personal representative of the ruler of the world couldn't find any fault with him. The witnesses could not agree against him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. He has always been and always will be. He had no predecessor, he'll have no successor. You can't impeach him, and he ain't going to resign. His name is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, some of you may be asking, uh, great, what do I do now? We've gone through Learn the Bible in 24 hours. Where you can go from here would be to pick a book, any book. And go at it verse by verse, on your own or with a commentary, whatever. Do whatever, however energetic you want to be. And of course we have helps that'll help you. CD ROMs are very inexpensive, a lot cheaper than they used to be with tapes and so forth. We also have topical studies on over a hundred different subjects, but that's not the only way to go. I encourage you to go the expositional route. It's the most fruitful, I think, over the years. But uh, the other resources I want you to be, available, uh, be aware of that we have available, we have a monthly news journal and as part of this program of watching this, you can get a year subscription without charge by just the asking for it. A little monthly journal. It tries to highlight the biblical relevance of current events and also gives you some helps in study and so forth. We have an internet site that I encourage you to check out. It's one of the oldest, largest Christian websites on the internet and no one can pronounce koinonia house, let alone spell it. Everyone calls us K-House, so it's khouse.org, K-H-O-U-S-E dot org. We monitor the strategic trends, and we try to highlight those things that are going on that are biblically relevant. We publish a free weekly one-pager. If you sign up for it, we'll email you every week a little one-page that lists the things that have happened this week that's biblically relevant, and it gives you the link of the websites that are following that particular development competently. There's also, we're linked to the Blue Letter Bible, which is free. You can get English, Hebrew, Greek text, all word searchable, commentaries, dictionaries, encyclopedias. It's all free on the internet. And uh, very powerful tools for those. Uh, Just give it a try. Give it a try. But our primary goal is to try to encourage you to participate in a home Bible fellowship. The people, over 50 years of study, the people I've seen that really grow, grow in small, face-to-face, accountable groups that meet during the week. Sunday church, great. I'm not knocking that, but that won't be enough. Check out your professional associates or your neighborhood. They're all different kinds. Find one. Give it a try. If you can't find one you like, start one. We'll help you. That's what we're all about. Courtney House is an electronic publisher. We also monitor this extensive internet capability that you'll find about when you get into it. And uh, we also have an institute that is, in effect, a graduate school. You can earn university graduate credit uh, all the way to the PhD uh, through uh, distance learning techniques that we're uh, uh, supporting. We also impanel in, uh, in a research network that does a lot of the research and keeps on top of the strategic trends for us that feeds the, the publishing activity. But all this is aimed at fellowships. We encourage you to get into and we're trying to upgrade, as we can, home Bible studies. We have um, leadership workshops and so forth around the world to do that. All of this is under a offshore international trust, according to the International Trust, that uh, is uh, coordinating this in the U.S. and in Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and so forth. So, that's us. Uh, check us out. And if there's any way we can help, you want to hear about it. God bless you.
1: You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Dr. Chuck Missler. For a complete listing of resources available, please contact this station or go to khouse.org. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Until next time, may God richly bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.